Spanish. Okay, so welcome to the Culling Vision, um, where we're going to explore how we change the world when we start aligning and partnering with the vision that is calling to us. Mm. And you know, I think about it's the vision that selected us as opposed to us selecting that vision. And it wants us to help bring it into fruition. Mm. So this is Bibi Harding, I'm your host. And today I have as my guest, Chris Angel. And uh, I'm just gonna say a few words about Chris. Um, he and I originally met oh, probably about three years ago now. And what he did at that time was he interviewed one of my co-authors and I on the deck, mess um, yeah, Messages from the Ridge, which is a co-authored deck uh, with the horses and, you know, where they bring their wisdom into the world. So a, a couple of years after that, um, I Chris started going through what I think he refers to as his midlife crisis and, yeah. um, and where he was starting to question and ask questions. And I happened to run across a post that he made on Facebook. And he was talking about, you know, what he was going through and what was kind of emerging for him. And among them was, you know, the desire to be creating communities, you know, conscious communities. And one of the things that I, that really caught my attention was it was time for us to come together in communities and to be conscious about what we were doing. And he talked about there's something along the lines of, um, you know, a lot of us have done it alone. Now it's time to come together. Mm. And I could so resonate with that statement. And mm. a part of me, you know, as an individual contributor and pretty much of a loner, where I've done all my life, I've done things by myself, there was a tug, you know, at my heart about, well, wouldn't it be nice if? Mm. And at the same time, I wasn't sure that I could do something like that. Mm. Well, I took the plunge. And I signed up for Chris's uh, community, um, you know, part of the Groundswell University. And um, surprisingly, it's been over a year and I'm still participating. So <laughs> Surprisingly? Did that surprise you? <laughs> well, I wasn't sure. I mean, that was one of my concerns. This was to be something, would it be a community that would hold my attention? Mm. You know, because so many places where I had attempted to belong to a community, it didn't. And yeah. so, you know, I was quickly out of there. So, you know, I feel that it's probably safe to say that, you know, one of Chris's strong passions and one of his current visions is all about helping leaders to create conscious communities that will help change the world. So yep. welcome, Chris. Thanks. And well thank said. You. Yeah, thank you so much. That's uh, It's been so fun hanging out with you in, in Groundswell University for a year or more, however long it's been. And um, I just am constantly reminded of the power of walking each other home, you know, like when you honor another for their lived experience, instead of thinking they, you have the answers and they don't. So you're, you know, there's this, it's just a different dynamic when you, when there's a group of people who relate to each other as peers, you know? Yeah, I do. And that's definitely something that, um, you know, I would commend you for because you have really made it a group of peers, you know, working with each other. And that was another statement of yours that really made sense to me, walking each other home. And I know it comes from Ram Das, but it wasn't something that I had ever really paid much attention to. And that's been a big thing that I've, I've heard you talk about again and again. Yeah. It just yeah, is a constant yeah. reminder for me of the energy of it, you know, that it is a, I think so much of our culture, especially if we talk about calling and vision and goal setting. And like, we're such a, a, a productivity addicted culture that um, 
there's not a lot of space or or um agreement for this idea of walking each other home. It's like, I'm going to get there first. And then you can buy my tricks for how I got there first. It's like, I don't want to go there with you. I want to go there first. And then you can buy my thing. <laughs> and that's just, <laughs> you know, it's easy to get swept up in that. I was, I was swept up in that for years and years and years. And it, something about it didn't feel right. Which is what I like about your, your, your take on, on a calling, like that there's something that comes to you. And if you're open enough to, to hear it and partner with it, It'll sort of change. It can change how you pursue things. Before I was open to the calling, it was me having a goal and trying to go hustle and grind my way to to success. But I think as I softened and surrendered, it was a lot of different things I hadn't thought of before. Yeah. So when when did you first start becoming aware that there was a shift in energy for you? I know that you had really placed yourself in the real estate market. You were helping people, you know, through that. You had, had you had your own podcast series around that, you know, helping people, you know, come to things. Yeah. And suddenly you're going through what you what you refer to as your midlife crisis. Yeah. What happened around? Well, it's. I mean, I I feel like I can even go back in my life and see my curiosity about how I'm wired and what my you know like from the disc profile to strength finder to all these things that felt like they were giving me clues about me and i've been i've been interested in that for two decades but i think that's important because it um i was trying to do good things in the world on my own um uh, energies and volition and whatever while trying to bring my strengths into it and um I got to this place where I just was, I just felt like a failure. I just was constantly failing forward in what you would typically measure as results, you know, like certain amount of money, certain amount of clients, certain, a certain size email list, all these things in business that the programs I bought told me I should be measuring. And, um, it wasn't for lack of being a good student. I'm a really good student. I'll do the work, but I didn't get the result. And I was pissed. I just was so, you know, fed up with not, you know, putting in the work, but not getting the result. And there was, you know, something in that broke me in a good way. Like when you get, when you, when you get to a place of brokenness and you're willing to surrender, I mean, that surrender moment for me was a, a huge one. And, and then it was followed by like, you know, a nine month temper tantrum, but there there was just this like I can relate to that. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was the other way around. Maybe it was the temper tantrum and then the surrender. But I, I, I w- well, maybe it's kind of both. Like I was doing the work, and then I got pissed, and then I was like, I'm. I seem to be the common denominator, so I was a full stop on all my business. I wasn't going to do anything, um, and you can't make me. And um, and I stayed in that posture for probably nine months just trying to sort it all out. Like, and I realized my definition of success was a little wonky. You know, I kept feeling like I would be successful when I had the money and the clients and the email list and the, but um, that just really stole my joy. And I realized like I could keep trying to do it this way or I could surrender to some other way that I don't know yet. Like I don't know. And that's kind of, again, to your point about there is a calling, you know, what you're seeking is seeking you, that there is a a calling coming to you. I don't think we can access that if we don't surrender. So when you started, when, when you started to have that moment of surrender, 
what were the impulses that you would came became aware of? What were the impulses were like? Starting, yeah, what were the things that were wanting to you know that were starting to attract your attention? Mm. You know that were saying mm. that well, what if I were to explore this? Yeah, so, yeah. What were that you know caught your attention? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I I feel like for me, um, what I would pursue was similar. Like I had been thinking about community for a while, um, even before my my meltdown. Um, and some of the ideas about how I want to support and grow the community in ways that help and serve other people that was there even five years ago. Like there are just these things that I've been kind of collecting, you know, ideas I've been collecting. I think you could even say those ideas were inspired ideas, like that they they came to me, and I and I in the moment being inspired by them, had a awareness enough to collect them, to be like, I'm going to hold on to that. That's worth holding on to. But how I was being with the idea was me in my own energy trying to do stuff, you know, versus on the other side of surrender, the impulses were like, um, a, a lot, I was drawn to a lot of, um, nothing doing nothing <laughs> just drawn to a lot of nothing <laughs> and like of like, I like that. Day, yeah daydreaming and um whiteboarding and kind of like a a painter would paint a canvas like just you know letting it just sitting in it you know versus that was not how i was before it was a lot of like okay i got to go do this let's go let's do this and i think the impulse to sit the impulse to be with the things I had collected and be curious about them was different. It was softer. Softer. I like that. Um, one of the things that I have a curiosity about is as you were going through this, you know, curiosity phase, this curious phase and just being and sitting with things, what happened in your environment in terms of whether suddenly all the people in your life dropped away or suddenly, you know, you found new people or did you have a lot of support where people were going, you know, hey, Chris, great, great, great. Or were they going, Chris, what the hell is wrong with you? Uh, you know, you used um, to be so blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you might ask my wife. She might have something to say about that. Like mm -hmm. I, my wife was very gracious about um, my meltdown and me trying to find my my groove again. Um, uh, and I think I wore a good, I don't want to say a mask. I mean, it really was kind of a mask. Like just, there are certain things I share with my kids and certain things I don't, cause it's not, it doesn't matter. It's not important to, you know, to them, but I, um, it was less about, I've done a pretty good job of insulating myself from people over two decades of business. Like I just kind of got irritated by people mostly, and I wanted to be with people on my terms. And so I just got, <laughs> I was pretty well insulated from making changes and then people going, well, what the heck? But I would notice like I started uh, quitting some things I was a part of. I had had a chapter of a group I had created in Spokane. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Um, that's not what I want to do anymore. So I got good at um, saying no to a lot of things. I built a lot of time in my in my calendar. So my mornings are very flexible and open. I can do whatever I want, how I want to do it. Um, hot tub, walk the dogs, whatever. Uh, and that's important to me because that's that downtime or that space gives my brain chances to explore. And I probably would have felt guilty about that in the past. Like I need to be doing something the minute I wake up and, you know, go, go, go. 
Um, so that's but, been one of the changes in your life is that you've created more space for you yeah. just to hang out with you. Lots of space. I've created lots yeah. of space and that feels really good. It's filling back up now as I'm partnering different communities, but even that feels good to me. That doesn't even bother me. I'm that's like that. That's refueling for me. But uh, one of the interesting things for me was um, you asked about people falling away or coming like what I, what I started to notice was instead of thinking I need to go find the people, I just started looking around me at the people I already knew. And I saw them with different eyes. I'm like, these are my peers, right? Because how I was before was I need to go find people I can teach. Mm. People who aren't peers with me, people who are still behind me. Because I thought that's where the vow, that's what people would pay for. People would want to pay for my answer. And what shifted for me was I just want to be with people who see what I see and get what I get. And I think, I think, the, you know, the thing that's calling to me, I think we could find value in talking to each other about the things that really matter to us in the direction of our life. And all of a sudden, the people that I had been around or that I had met, so half of them through Touched by Horse, right? Like a lot of people in uh, in that circle um, I resonated with. And, and then I just made these invitations to the community of those people. And I was like, this is so fun. This is so fun. <laughs> Do you know? Like, could it be this good? Is this possible that it could be this good? It's really, and yeah, really rewarding. Very rewarding. Um, both for myself as one of the recipients, you know, it's mm. been rewarding for me. And I feel like, you know, the group that's come together, you know, in response to your call um, has also been very rewarded by, you know, the experiences. But at yeah. least that's my take on it. Yeah. Um, I know that you've got a big vision. You want to share that with, you know, people, You what you want to sure, do? Lo- yeah. Yeah, I love. I always love to share that vision. I, I um, <laughs> I uh, I so I have to go back now sometimes and just think, how did I even get to it? Because it kind of builds on itself, and you kind of forget the origin story. You're like, you just mm-hmm. caught up in the moment of all the all the stuff. Um, but from a high level, I think that um, this kind of community, um, a community of peers walking each other home in their important work in the world. I think that'll change the world. I think, I think when we get more co- cooperative and less competitive, um, when we listen instead of tell, um, I think this kind of behavior would change the way, would change the way the world works because it would change the way we interact with each other. And so, to do that, I think the best vehicle to do that in is a community, where you can practice what it is to to interact with each other that way. If you don't have space and time for community to have those conversations, then what you get is very transactional interactions. Okay, let's go, let's go. I got to do a thing. Like, give me the thing, give me the bottom line. Like, let's. And so, most of our interactions, I think, in a day are that way. So, I have a vision where um, a, a million people, a million members of conscious communities, people in community like this, conscious community where we're talking about the things we want to do with our life for the benefit of others, a thousand communities in different industries, different verticals in business. Um, and each community having a thousand members, which gives us a million members. So that there are a million members of conscious communities having these kinds of conversations with each other and walking each other home in their important work high level. That's the vision. And that could take my life. It could take longer than my life, but I just, so interested and curious about it. I'm like, this is this is a fun game to play for me. So, that's so the what is the thing that um, 
you've noticed that the people who are drawn to work in the communities, I, I know that you, you're supporting other people and getting their communities started. Yeah. So what is the thing that you perceive people are really calling for? What are they looking for? Yeah. I mean, one of them, well, I think all of those people have in common some, some feeling of, of a calling that there's some bigger work that wants to happen. Um, and, um, I think like me, a lot of them have paid for the courses and paid for the coaches. And we've kind of done this thing where, where we're trying in our best way to make it happen. And at the end, we just feel overburdened by a to-do list or technology or just the details of it all. And I noticed that and I thought, I think it would be what I would have wanted and what I think I have the skill set for just from failing so many times is um, I know how to bring structure to the thing they want to do so that they don't have to do the structure part. Like I know how to build a website. I know how to do the podcast. I know I have a vision for how to hold the space. I And, um, and I think what I'm finding as I'm supporting them that way is um, they all value doing it with someone like not paying somebody to give them the answer and then they have to go do it or not even hiring an agency to say, we'll do it for you, which really isn't doing it for you. It might be doing your Facebook ads, but you still don't, it's not a co-creation. So we say done with you still is not a co-creation. I think what they're finding so refreshing is that I'm in their corner. We're talking on a weekly basis and they're like, this is pulling the best out of me. I don't think they would have known to ask for that, by the way. Well, I know my own experience here has been, you know, this podcast is a direct result mm. of, you know, the the conversations that we've had. You know, I've thought about podcasts and I've always gone, eh, I don't even listen to podcasts. <laughs> you know, why would I want to do one? Uh -huh. But there's been that little niggling. And so, you know, mm. I would say that, you know, mm. I really feel the fact that you're in my corner yeah. and, you know, it's given me the courage in a lot of ways, you know, to go ahead. Mm. And so, here I am. I'm experimenting, being mm -hmm. curious, and seeing where it goes. But you just said something that I really want to open the door on a little bit mm -hmm. about failing. You know mm -hmm. that you have failed so many times. I really, you know, my own personal experiences is that I don't think as a culture we encourage people to fail. Mm -hmm. And um, and and our attitude is is that usually that the people who fail are are ne'er do wells. You know, people who can't get it together, you know, people who, you know, just, you know, I can remember being told what's wrong with you. Why are you so stupid? You mm -hmm. know, and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And I know it certainly didn't make me curious enough to keep going and doing things, right. you know, with the likely benefit. So talk to a few minutes about what it means for you to go through the failure and what you have done over time to allow yourself to fail and not take it personal. Yeah. I still don't know if I like to fail. I, I think, I don't know if that's culturally, you know, conditioned or if that just is when your soul expands and you see something out that you want to create and then you try to create it and it doesn't work. It's just, it just can be disappointing if your context is off. You know, if I'm not, if I'm not remembering that this is a journey and I really, it's an opportunity to play with things in this physical experience. And what, you know, the thing that tipped me into my, my midlife crisis was not getting a result. So if I, if I, my context is about the result, then mm -hmm. feeling really doesn't feel good. 
but I'm stubborn enough to just keep trying. I just am a stubborn bastard. So I will just keep going. I just, <laughs> just keep, <laughs> you know, I mean, I get my, I set my eyes on something. I'm like, I want that. And sometimes that's not great because I start to take it on myself rather than partner with the divine to, to find ways to do it. But, um, I think on this side of it now, I'm just thinking about like, I used to, I might used to care on, let's say social media when I posted, like how well is my post doing or how many people have liked it or things like that. And if I didn't get enough, it felt like a failure. And so I need to play with trends and hacks and shiny things like kinetic text or intros and outros and music and like all these things that I would try to um, bring to it. So I didn't fail in the name of not failing, but now I don't care. Now I'm like, I'm just going to say what I want to say and I'm not going to play Facebook's game and I'm not trying to please an algorithm. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I think that came with just, like I said, a lot of failing. And in that failing, you just start to see, well, what do I want? If you fail enough, I think it starts to bring you to questions of like, okay, this doesn't feel so good. What? How would I do this differently? What am I committed to and how would I do it differently or how would I think differently about it so that it didn't ruin my experience of it? You know, yep, I do. I do know. So for you, um, what is the thing that you would consider, you know, the motivating and driving force behind your desire to create a million members who are in conscious communities? Oh, yeah. did you stay sides of the? Of the <laughs> did you raise your hand? Did you raise your hand? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. You know that ha I've noticed that Zoom is doing that automatically. Does it? Now. It's been buddy. Yeah, I don't touch yeah. anything, and next thing I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's been buggy lately. Um, so the question again is, is um, what is it about million, a million members? What is the question? Yeah, yeah, I'm asking you like, you know, for you, what's the big motivation underneath it? Um, mm. About, you know, what continues to keep you on the path of yeah. moving towards getting a million members? Well, I think, yeah, I think part of it is um, I am a dreamer and I have a huge heart for people. And I think I, I look at the way things are, and I think this could be much better. You know, the way our world sort of behaves with each other is I think below standard. I think we could do better than this. Um, So I think, and that's always kind of been a part of me, like just what's possible, you know, possibility thinking like what's possible, what could we do? Let's do something cool. Um, And then I, like I said, I look at how it is and I go, man, there's so much broken and dysfunction. And, and, and so I think that's where the, the drive comes from. They're like, this could be better. What shifted for me in that meltdown, that midlife crisis thing for me though, was, um, the way I approached it. Like, so it's always kind of been that thing. Like, I think the world could be better. I want to, I want to help the world be better. What shifted for me though, was like relating to it, like uh, being playful with it on this side of it being like, and so that that's made it, I don't want to be a martyr. You know, it's not like, I, I don't need to like suffer for the cause of what I think is possible. I don't want to do that. So now I think what keeps me in it, not just my desire for it to be better, but now I feel like I have a, a game to play. If I would put it that way, like there, I can be playful with it and I go, well, let's try some stuff and let's, Meet cool people. I only, and it's cool because I put parameters around it for me. Like I only want to do it with people that I think are cool for me. 
you know, if you're not cool, don't apply. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like if I, I just want to work with people that I connect with and resonate with, and I don't need to convince anybody that doesn't see what I see to see what I see. You know, I don't, I don't need to convince anybody. And that's so freeing. And that keeps me in the game and keeps me playful. So what do you feel is the biggest contributor to you having developed this particular mindset over, mm. you know, where you, where you, where you were before? Mm. Um, what do you think was the thing mm. that was kind of like your turning point? Yeah. Well, gosh, I mean, I think part of what helps me do that at maybe calibrate, if I use that word, what helps me calibrate back to this perspective is just self-awareness. I think I've been on a path of personal development, self-development. Um, I'm a curious person. I've journaled most of my life. So I just have done a lot of inquiry into what I think and how I think. And at times that's been really frustrating because it gets confusing. <laughs> you know, when you just look at all your thoughts that can get confusing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think I I've also, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've, I've mapped that maze that confusing maze of my thoughts long enough to, to start to make, see some patterns like, okay, this, this kind of thinking is going to confuse me. And this kind of thinking feels good to me. And I'm definitely more in my heart now. And so I'm feeling my way through things instead of trying to intellectualize everything. And that's been super helpful. Um, yeah. So what is it that you're, you know, like stepping into your vision here of a million members? What do you feel the whisperings of your vision are right now? Hmm. The whisperings for the future or the whisperings mm -hmm. of next steps? Um, either one. Um, wow, so many. You, by the way, you're asking me such great questions. Um, I I like uh I really I really love the idea that um Seth Godin says it this way. It's like things that are with people and for people, not at people and to people. Like this idea that this conscious, this network of conscious communities is a way for me to help people win. Like um, I love the idea that I can create things that make a financial difference for people and make their experience of their work like fun and a self-expression. Like these are these... So the whispering is like, are these things like, what else can we do? That would be really cool for people that would knock their socks off. That would be like, you know, so counterculture to everybody out there saying, charge what you're worth. And let's put a really big sticker on thing, price tag on things. And like, that's how the culture does it. I'm like, how do I go the other way and just wow people with, I didn't know it could be this good. And then just try and find a real practical ways to weave that in, you know? Yeah. Um, I like that especially since um, it's like really being open to the fact that there's more than one right answer, mm. yeah. you know, and it's it's like that willingness to discover that there could be multiple right answers. Yeah. And yeah. do you feel that um, in your experience so far, do you feel that people have a common thread that's, you know, working with them or do you feel that, uh, you're really wanting to attract people who come at it from different angles uh, for community partners or, or members yeah. of these communities. Yeah. Um, I think that there is a, I don't mind people coming from different angles. I think, I think there has to be some common thread though, uh, in order for people to feel like 
um, there's movement, you know, like, um, if I had somebody who was very competitive in the room with someone who's very cooperative, I think that sometimes can be not synergistic and it slows the movement down. If I have a room of a zoom room of people who are, who are all cooperative and they're all good listeners. One, one of my questions on the application for Groundswell University is on a scale one to 10, how good of a listener are you? Which the question alone is a filter. Pe- you know, people who I don't think people would apply anyway, but that were not good listeners. But if you have somebody that wants to hog the conversation and steamroll people and talk over people, it it slows momentum. It actually detracts from what's being created. So I think the things I look for in common are um, sort of the spiritual context that people would have. Because if you can't, if you're going to be too dogged about the 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 one spiritual perspective you have and everybody else's spiritual perspective is wrong, that won't that won't play well here in this in my communities. So you'd have to be open and curious spiritually. Um, you would have to say that you have a heart for people in the world. Like you'd want, you'd want something to be different or better in the world um, versus nihilistic and versus somebody who's like, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Who cares? Like that, that won't further the conversation I'm wanting to curate in these communities. So there's that kind of common thread. Um, also that there's, I think business is related in here. I mean, my original vision was, these communities would all be made up of people in business because business owners have a vested interest to broadcast a message. And if you're an employee, there's no reason for you to have a message on Facebook other than, you know, what you're doing to hang out with your family. But, and when that gets broadcast, the vibration or frequency, I think elevates in the world because what's in people's newsfeed is conscious content, not, you know, divisive content, but so those things in common, and then and then if, if if that's in common, but you have different perspectives about parenting or about spirituality or about <clears throat> um, what would change the world, I think that's great. Good. So you know you're talking about you know various you know communities and things. I know that you've been working with people. You want to spend a few minutes talking about the kinds of communities that are being curated right now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that you're working with. There's there are nine. Th- communities forming at different stages. Um, um, none have launched yet. Uh, at the time of this recording, uh, three will launch by May. So that's exciting for me because that's sort of the first wave of people starting to invite and hold space for m- members of their community, which is which is pretty exciting for me. Um, uh, but we have a we have a community for nonprofits um, or people committed to and interested in the impact that nonprofits can have. Um, so whether that's a, a nonprofit founder or, or even a, a vendor of nonprofits that together, there's a conversation of how do we rewrite the impact that nonprofits can have in the world. So that's a community. We have um, two real estate agent communities. One's called repurpose and one's called awakened agents. And this is just about how do how do real estate agents who want to make an impact in their community in the world beyond selling a house, how do we use our business as a staging point for this impact, for this social change. Um, that's a different conversation than the industry has right now. That There's no conversation like that in real estate. We've got one for um, body workers called Evolved Body Works. So think massage, 
you know, um, fascia work, structural integration, what body workers. So again, beyond the modality of massage and body work, there's a conversation to have called what, how do we, um, I think body workers have a whole paradigm about how the body stores trauma and how our bodies are energetic, uh, vessels. And there is wisdom in our bodies. If we could elevate the conversation beyond, would you like a massage? Right? Like there's so absolutely hurt. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, what hurts today? And then you're done and they say, drink lots of water. And that seems to be the extent of the conversation that all the body workers I've been to seem to have with me. Yeah. Like there's something else here available if we just would look there. And, and that's all these communities are designed to do is like start to uncover the bigger conversation that there is to have based on what life has already taught us. So you've also got one on education too, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, right. Yes. I'm super excited about that. That's only that's super in the super beginning stages, but I have a couple people who um I I've been meeting with about creating a community for educators. And what would what would education of the future look like? How do we have teacher directed slash student directed classrooms and and schools instead of which there there are things like that already out there, but I also think those things those um, there just needs to be more of them out there. And so, how do we start to bring teachers into the conversation instead of administrators who then go find teachers? Like, I want teachers in that conversation. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, very exciting. So um, before we conclude for today, is there, if you were to give people one general message that you would like to, you know, put forward for people to contemplate, what would it be? Hmm. Well, I think um, life teaches us every day. And I think when we, um, and I would call that your truth, right? Your lived experiences is the truth that you are coming to learn and understand. And I think when we um, begin to honor that truth, that lived experience, instead of feeling like the imposter or feeling like other people are better than us, when we start to lean into the things life has taught us and we honor the sacredness of of those lessons, we start to see our our who we are for others. We start to not make it wrong. We just start to go, I- I'm constantly learning. It's And then it's one thing to learn. That's the first part. And the second part is then to share what you're learning. Share what you're learning because that sets others free. When you share from what life has taught you, it lets them know that they're not a weirdo, you know, either like that they're, that they have unique thoughts and that's okay too. And I think when we do that, we stop trying to live inside of these very tight contained, uh, contained walls of what culture says is appropriate or not appropriate, you know? We start mm-hmm. to be more open and accepting of everyone by sharing our truth. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So if people wanted to get a hold of you with, you know, and learn more about the work that you're doing with communities, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, the two probably two ways. One, you can go to my website, uh, which is mygroundswell.com. Mygroundswell.com. Um, the second way is just follow me on Facebook. Um, you can go to facebook.com forward slash Chris dot angel with two L's and, um, that all my posts are public. So even if we're not friends, you can see my posts and just message me. If you want to, if you want to have a direct conversation, just message me on Facebook. 
Great. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate your time for today. Thank you, BB. These what a great conversation. What great questions. I love it. You're natural. You're so good at this. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I can't wait for episode 500. <laughs> thank you.